Well, V1 Church, I want you to help me welcome some very special guests to the stage with me this Sunday. On today, I'm so excited because we're going there. Last week, there was such a significant amount of freedom that occurred as root systems were pulled out of the soil of our soul. But how many of you know that God's going to finish the work that he started today? Today, we actually got pictures of women that gave up Santeria and witchcraft, like occult style uh, things. I mean, when I had that moment where I said, take things from your home, let's have a living room revival. What is God calling you to give up in this season? What's some counterfeit comfort from the Holy Spirit? You all responded. Drop a comment right now and let us know your testimony in the comments because more are rolling in. If you watched with your connect group leader, we got a message from Joanna who just said it was one of the most incredible experiences of her life to watch the uh, last week's service together and, and chains were breaking. But I feel like God's got some more. So I want to introduce to you all and I want to see you welcome them in the comments. Get real loud. If you're at a watch party right now, uh, just, just like, come on, let's give them a warm V1 welcome. So first and foremost, I've got my wife, Julie, and uh, she is co-lead pastoring with me. And uh, she is just an incredible voice to so many um, and, and kind of like the mother of our house, I guess. The other day we were laughing because we were at, the, at a meeting and the kids were acting up and she walked past me and she said, I'm mothering. And I was like, well, I'm fathering. <laughs> <laughs> but she really is uh, such a significant presence. And then we have Pastor Kiel. So guys, uh, just shout her out in the comments right now. Show her some love. Um, you know, I don't even know where to start. Worship leader, apostolic evangelist, um, <laughs> you know, I, like uh, life coach, mentor to many. And do you want to add anything to that? I mean, um, I don't like bragging on myself, so definitely not. But very, very grateful to be here. Yeah, and we're so thankful to have you. She's going to bring some wisdom today. And uh, last but certainly not least, we have our roaring mama, Mary. Come on, let's give it up for her in the comments. As a matter of fact, somebody drop her Instagram in the comments right now so you can follow her. She is the founder and creator of Roaring Mamas and helping women around the world literally find their roar. And she is also an incredibly talented worship leader, writer, mother. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but Randall, who often does the prayer and praise transition for service, gets to be her husband. <laughs> Just remind him how lucky yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Randall, if you're watching, you married up. Proud of you, son. <laughs> so... I want to I wanna just um, give an opportunity for us to share, and I'm really not preaching right now. Actually, what I believe is that there is a mandate, and, and I'm, I want my men to hear me right now, because you might be like, okay, I'm going to tune this out. What does this have to do with me? No, no, actually, this is one of the most significant messages you'll ever hear, because for far too long in the global church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, there's been so much bad theology that we've been fighting with only 50% of our leadership represented. And so this is not a call out. This is a call up. Because if we're about to do the work that God's destined us to do to be a global voice of the gospel, we need some uh, female generals and we need some, some really strong, intelligent, smart men to back them and help them rise up. And so this is something that I want to invite you into. Actually, I was telling them that this is going to be a crucial conversation about what it means to be a single woman. 
What, is, what does it mean to be a mother? What does it mean to be in leadership? What, I mean, we're going there today. This is like a tell-all. This is like a tell-all family conversation that you get to be a part of. So I want to kick it off, and, and I'll just start with you, Julie. Um, we've had many instances where we watch the world championing the rights of women, and it's been very disgusting to see that oftentimes there's this glass ceiling in the local church where I think you should find the most freedom in church. What's it been like being married to me, launching church locations, and having the phenomenon where you're throwing down preaching, people are getting saved, people are getting, um, literal miracles are happening, and then you have the guy waiting for you at the info table to tell you that you shouldn't be allowed to preach. And what's, what's it been like knowing that, according to that scripture in Ephesians that I quoted, that God calls through Christ Jesus some to teach, so God's clearly given you through Christ the gift to teach, but you've encountered a lot of resistance, even in the most progressive places in the United States, here, like here in New York. What's that like? I think, well, it's been, it's been good. You know, I mean, I would say for as liberal as maybe, now I know that we're global, but our like home is New York. And so for as liberal as it may be perceived as from the outside, being here and living here, I realized that the religious circles were actually extremely conservative when it comes to women in ministry. Now, not going to speak on other things, but just women in ministry, I feel like I didn't realize how conservative it was. I, I just assumed it would, just, you know, celebrate me like, hi, I'm here. <laughs> and everyone's like, go home, you know, like we're good. Um, and so it started like me showing up to things and you, you trusting me. So I would show up on our behalf of our church or of our family or of our mayor of our pastoral team. And they'd be like, where's Mike? Like, it was like this disappointment, you know, and I had to deal with that and work that out. And one of the things that would make my skin crawl would be when people would go, Oh, you're pastor Mike's wife right? And that was really hard because I was like, well, yes, I am. Um, and the Lord took me on a journey uh, of redeeming that because that is my favorite title, by the way, just so you know. Um, but it was met because I felt such disdain on the outside or um, skepticism or criticism, I, uh, I began to hate that title. The Lord took me on a journey of redeeming it, but that is true. I would finish preaching, and this happened on a handful of occasions, probably more than a handful, where I would come off the platform, and I would be like, man, God moved so powerfully. People would be crying. People would be saved and set free, and then I would have a, a, a gentleman and sometimes women who would say, hey, I didn't receive your message. I don't believe that you have the authority to preach to me. And um, and I had to deal with that and go on a journey, and um you know, so it, that is hard. As much as I want to say like, oh, it didn't bother me. Like it did. It did bother me. Um, but I am so thankful for you because you kept making me do it. And you would say like, yeah, we don't really care what they think. Like we don't care. We care about them as a, as a person. We care. We know that Jesus loves them, but um, I need you to preach next week too. And I would be like, Okay. <laughs> well, this is a healing conversation right now because I feel that there are many women who are watching right now 
who maybe were like my mother, Sandra. Some of you know her. I had a front row seat my entire childhood for her constantly being overlooked by the local church pastors. She could out-sing them, out-preach them, out-prophesy them, if there is such a thing, (laughs) and was constantly overlooked for no other reason than the fact that she was a woman. And I feel that many of you have longed for the safety of an environment like V1 Church where there is no lid on your leadership. So I want to open up the floor right now. What can be done? I mean, what can men do to eradicate this in the local church? I I know for me, I think partly God sowed the seed having a single mom who is a ministry mom and, and watching her go through what she went through and seeing the validity of her relationship with Christ at home and knowing how powerful it was. It's like you still get testimonies whether everybody supports it or not. There's still, the lost are still being found. Sickness is still being healed. Demons are still being cast out. And it's funny how a demon will respond to my wife, but not a man sometimes. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and so what, so what can we do to get the men on board? Because we can get demons on board through the power that Christ gave her and gave you and you. But how do we get the men on board? Because we need more than people who are just like, yeah, I'll tolerate it. We need ambassadors. I think rightfully, like what you said, it starts at home. And I think just in your circles is empowering the women that God has put in your life for men. Um, I don't think you can honor someone on a national stage unless you've honored them in their home and you've honored them in the privacy. It starts behind the scenes. So I think it's understanding if you cannot respect the office of Pastor Julie, then do you respect the office of your wife at home? Do you respect her opinion? Do you respect her, your sisters? Do you respect your mom? And I think the reason why it's easy for you to do it is because you saw the struggle that your mom went through and you honored that struggle. And so now respecting the women sitting on the stage comes easy to you because you've done it behind the scenes. So I think what we're expecting and a lot of people are like, why can't it be done? And my question is, are you doing it on your everyday life? Yeah. Do you allow your wife to budget? Do you allow your sisters to speak into your life, to prophesy over you? Do you allow your mothers to direct you? And I think that's where the change starts being birthed, that when you see a woman on the stage, it's just the same as in your home, in the privacy, in your private circles of influence that you have. That would be where I think this it really starts. So I think it's checking the heart and doing the work behind the scenes before you expect yourself to honor them on a national stage. That's good. Isn't that true, too, about, like, every area of our life? If we're not doing it at home, then we're not really doing it, right? Um, One of the things that I think about when I think about, like, women being held back in the church is, uh, you know, that spirit that a lot of people accuse women of having, of being bossy or demanding, which, by the way, are only words that are used to describe women. So if you have them in your vocabulary, stop using them. Okay, nobody ever describes a man as bossy. Right? right, it's just like, man, he's such a strong leader. Right, he's assertive, he's a strong leader, he's, he's type A, but when a woman's type A, she's bossy, and she's, you know, other words that start with the same letter. <laughs> this is a tell-all. This right? is a tell-all. So, um, I, I will say that one of the things that the church perpetuates is this idea that strong women are intimidating. And it infiltrates our culture on a whole. It infiltrates our culture in leadership. It infiltrates our culture in dating and in marriage, right? Um, 
And I, so I think that we have to stop. First of all, let's raise up men that are not scared of strong women. Let's teach men how to empower women so that we can, so that women can become everything they're meant to be. When you think of the design of marriage, and it's also the design of Jesus and the church, the man lays his life down for the woman and then she submits to him. She doesn't submit to him first and then he's like, oh, maybe I'll do something nice for her. It's the laying down of the life of the man first or laying down Jesus's life for the church first that gets us to respond in submission and surrender, right? The reason why Pastor Julie is able to submit to you is because you've proven to her that you're trustworthy, right? So I think that's a big part of it is that, um, you know, there's a lot of people that think it's okay to be intimidated or call women intimidating because they haven't stepped into their rightful identity as sons of the kingdom of God. And sons looks like having access to everything that is God's and everything that um, is his nature, right? So if you're intimidated by strong women, you're not looking like Jesus. You're not living like Jesus. And so I think that's one of the things that we can do. I mean, I hate, I hate to make this about what men can do better, right? But women can't step into their rightful place because of the design that God's made us, the men, the head, the women, the neck, you know, however, all the cliches that we use in the church, we can't step into our rightful place until men choose to empower us and make space for us and make room for us. And that's one of the things that you do really well is you make room for us so that we can fly. And you're like, even if you become, you know, more, uh, significant than I platforms bigger than mine. I don't care. I just want to make sure that when I get to heaven, I can say I made room for the women in my life. Right. It's so good. Did you want to say something? When you were talking about the identity, men finding their identity, I thought every encounter that I've ever had, and this is why I never, cause I I've never gotten a yelling match. Those instances that you that we were sharing at the very beginning, those were recent. This was not long ago. This is like last year. Like this is not in 2000. This isn't in the nineties. It's in the eighties. Like this was like last year. And, um, in every instance I saw a little boy who was hurt, who had issues, who had things. I didn't see a man yelling at a woman. That's why I didn't get angry. I didn't get fearful because those things came they came out of insecurity. They didn't, they didn't know their identity as a son because Jesus, who was fully aware of his identity, when he, you guys know that instance where they're at the tomb, right? And, and who showed up? There were guards there. There were men there. But it was the women who took the message back and said, he has risen. God, we, there was no question on whether they were fit enough. There was no question on, you know, I don't know. Can they handle it? Like, I don't know. You know, didn't matter where, you know, what was happening. Like Jesus found them worthy to carry the message and he was not intimidated to give it to them. That's so good. That is so good. You know, last week we talked about roots in the soil of our soul and every root produces fruit. And what I've, I've observed is that there's a lot of men who lack confidence and that manifest as pride within the local church because they say this infrastructure that's been built by religion actually feeds my lack of confidence because according to this religious infrastructure, 
the women have to take the lower position. And so you see, it's like in a way, pride that's rooted in insecurity has produced a lot of demonic infrastructure we call religion. And so it's actually when God heals that place of a lack of confidence in men that they say, wow, I'm no longer with a scarcity mindset that says, if I give room and platform to these strong women, there's not going to be enough for me. And what they don't understand is that you're never going to lose light by lighting someone else's candle. (laughs) Like yours doesn't go out when you light someone else's. You just actually create more light in the midst of darkness. And what this is, is an opportunity for many of those who are watching right now. Number one, if you're a woman, to be healed by this conversation, to see that this is not V1 culture, this is kingdom culture. One of the most scandalous things Jesus did is actually create space for women to be empowered, not just to be listeners, but doers also. And we're carrying on that tradition here at the church. And so here's something that I want to talk about. You know, at one point, Julie, you were single. <laughs> and Julie, you know, we talk a lot about this predatory, this is, the, this is the, the thing that it gets, you know, this like wait until marriage culture and what we do with Christian women. And that, that's right now in, in, in the modern day has become something that's like even more scandalous, you know. And, and so obviously now you're married, you know, but, but Kiel, I want to ask you, like, as a single woman, what would you say to the world? Because I feel like right now there's so much distortion that happens, you know, it's like on one end of the spectrum, people are living double lives, you know, they're whatever. Then on the other end of the spectrum, they're just like, nobody understands me. So where, what's the truth that somebody needs to hear? (laughs) Um, well, I will start by saying that the big C church isn't good at dealing with singleness. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. We have marriage conferences and, uh, parenting stuff and, uh, you know, mother connect groups and all that stuff, but we don't know how to handle when somebody's single and waiting. So we have to get better at that, right? We have to get better at um, teaching because it's it's more, and I mean, and the closer you get to the city, the more popular it is, right? Um, but we just, it's almost like an overlooked issue that the church just never talks about. Yeah. And it's a painful season for a lot of people. Yeah. And so they're like, we need to think about like, when we think about marriage, we're like, once you turn 20, you meet the first person that you ever date. You guys date for six months and you get engaged and you get married. And then at like 22, you have babies. That's Christian church. I mean, that's what I grew up seeing, you know, like most of my friends were married by 19, but that's not really what the world looks like. And unfortunately, being a powerful woman in ministry often delays marriage because most men are not comfortable with a woman with that much power. Right. So I think that's a big part of something that like we could sit down and come up with some strategies for how do we deal with singleness? How do we, um, but I will also say this, your relationship with the Lord as a single woman or a single man is the single most important thing in your life. And there is nothing that you can go through that should ever take you away from that. So if you're single and you're grieving and you're mad at the Lord, it's time to repent. It's time to tell the Lord like, okay, God, this is the season I'm in. 
What are you trying to be for me in this season that you could not be for me in marriage? What part of your nature are you trying to teach me in this season that you couldn't teach me in marriage? And how can I make your name famous until I get married? And then also, how can I pick a mate that's gonna help me make your name famous? Like, let's stop marrying under our value because we just want to be married because Christians are supposed to be married. Let's wait for God's best for us. And let's teach people how to do that. Like, let's teach them how to step into their royal identity and own it at whatever cost. And to be honest, like, invulnerable, it's cost me so much to be that person, but I would not give it up for the world because I could never imagine marrying somebody that couldn't contain the things that the Lord has for me. There's such an incredible power in the answer that you just gave. And it, because that answer cost her. And, the, and this is why, yeah, she's walking it out. And I want to go back to how I set that question up because you spoke so eloquently into that. On one hand, the world says, oh, I can't believe the church has you waiting you should explore your sexuality. So you're feeling pressure as a single person because the world's making you feel like you're crazy for not sleeping around right now. Come on, some people on the production team are literally amen to me. Like, yeah, I'm feeling that pressure. <laughs> but then on the other side, you show up to the local church and they have marriage conferences, parenting classes, and they're, they're valuing marriage and family. And so it's not just single people, it's barren women who yeah, are married, yeah. who are like, well, I, I've tried every scientific intervention, every medical intervention, and I can't have children. And so you feel like you have less value in the local church because you're barren in whatever definition, less value because you're single. And then watch this, the trifecta, you are a single woman without children. And so what this conversation is about is it's, it's come up time. It's next level time. It's all of us as men saying, you know, here's the thing. When Jesus said, let's make it about the least of these, the revelation there is the least of these are the ones that you see that everybody else doesn't see. So it's like sometimes you can be a wealthy person who attends a church and people and you can become the least of these because the pastor doesn't understand your reality as somebody with finances. Some, it's whoever the least of these is who you see. And this conversation is about do we see single women in our church as less than? Have we created a value system that's not in alignment with the cross? But then also I, I was thinking as you were talking it's like, because, you know, we're, we're focusing on women, women of all ages. So, you know, our, our 20-year-old women, our 30-year-old women, our 70-year-old women, but also our 14-year-old women. Yeah. Because I have daughters, you have sons, and I'm trying to, and there's been all this, um, you know, and some of it was weird. You know, you have purity culture and the things, you know, you can look up documentaries on all that and books and people who have written these books and then walked away from God. Um, Elizabeth Elliot has an excellent resource on purity and identity as a young woman. So parents, there you go, put it in your back pocket. Um, but I was thinking as you were talking about, talking about your uh, identity, you know, as, as a young woman, but then I'm thinking about our teenagers and I want to tell you, I just want to look this in the camera and tell you waiting is, is, is one of the most powerful things that you can do. Um, and, and not for a million reasons, but I want to tell you as you're waiting, you 
that's to honor the Lord. And modern, postmodern Christianity will give you a worldview to say, oh, that's outdated or that's cultish or that's weird. And to as a as a mom of a teenage woman, I'm telling my daughter, do whatever it takes to save until your wedding day, because it is, that is empowering, you know, to say, no, I'm taking control. And I know there's situations that are out of your control, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about raising up women. Like you said, waiting is not outdated. Waiting is honoring the Lord. So I know that's not what we're talking about today, but I just had to mm, go there. Can I add something to that? Uh, One of the most beautiful experiences for me in my life is that the closer I get to the Lord and the more intimate our relationship becomes, the less I want to do anything that's out of his alignment for my life, right? So if you're struggling with your purity, you just need to become more intimate with the Lord. Like go get on your face before the Lord every day, seek the Lord. And I'm, I promise you that like, there are things that I don't even want to look at even not sexual things like just like, you know, movies or like storylines. I don't even want to look at because I, I don't want to violate the connection between me and the Lord. And I think like, if you can get to that place with Jesus, saving yourself is not even a question. It's not even hard, you know, right. I I think when I first came to Christ was, I always thought about the fear of God as being afraid of God, but I understood that the fear of God is loving him. And I think when you go into that intimate place, that holies of holies with him, they births inside of you, this love, this longing for his heart that you just, it's like, in a way it's like, When you're married, you love someone so much that I don't want to hurt you. That every step, I want to serve you. I want to make sure that I'm giving you what you deserve. And I think that's what that's birthed out of. And not to change the topic, but you said something when you were talking initially was not being unequally yoked. The other day I was thinking about it and I was like, a lot of times we think about just relationships. But sometimes you could be unequally yoked to someone you're married to because the anointing level, the thought process that you guys have, and that drags you now into this place where you can't even be all that God has called you to be because this person that you're with doesn't understand the full calling. So we have to be careful that even in that waiting, it's understanding and coming to the full knowledge of who Christ has called me to be. Um, I mean, that was, I know before I got married, that was a huge thing was I had to start understanding and breaking this strongholds in my mind of who God has called me to be. Because if I came into a marriage, I would have married somebody who would keep me captive because that would be the understanding of myself that I meant to be playing this back role. But then when I started to come into the understanding that God has called me to be so much more, I looked for somebody who could pour into that part of me. So you have to be careful. And in that waiting season, it's difficult, but spend the time just like, you know, Pastor Kiel said to come into that full awareness of who is God calling me to be. So when I'm looking for a mate, I'm looking for somebody who, like you said, brings me one step closer to that because you're going to need to be able to work together. Yeah, you know, I want to say because there's just such a strong presence of God right here on this stage right now. I'm talking to the men right now, or rather boys who call themselves men. It's hard to be what you've never seen. And what the world's programmed you through pornography is how to make a woman a commodity, how to use, how to take selfishly, but not how to empower and lift up. And there's a mandate on every real man who's watching right now 
to walk it out and live in such a way that you become the example that's stronger than the example in pornography. You become the example that's stronger than the example that they saw in the brokenness of fathers and stepfathers who under the weight of our culture could not survive that attack. We are actively engaged in spiritual warfare, and I couldn't help but to think about how many men are probably watching saying, but how do I even do that because I've never seen it? And I'm, t- I'm talking to the breakers right now because, see, you're male by birth, but you're a man by choice. And you've got to choose to be a breaker. You've got to choose to say, I'm going to go on a journey to allow the Holy Spirit and the scriptures to show me and teach me how to be that which I've never seen in my home, in my neighborhood, in my city, in my nation. I'm going to be this thing because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. And I, we are dependent on that. And it's just, it's just a demand. And Mary, I want to go back to you. You're raising sons. And I believe that you have spiritual sons. Yeah, three. And they love me, by the way. <laughs> my, my strategy has just been to like, hey, hey, it's Pastor Mike. I love you until they just Listen, finally they do were love convinced. You because when they hear your I voice on over. any broadcast, they go, Pastor Mike? And I'm like, whoo, okay. <laughs> they yeah. recognize their pastor anywhere, so you're doing a great job. I want job. them over. I feel like there's many spiritual sons And see, I believe, you know, like in God's infinite wisdom, he gave me two daughters. And I believe it's because he knew I'd steward their lives well. But he's given you sons because knowing that you would steward their lives well. So as a roaring mama, what would you tell your spiritual sons who are watching right now? (laughs) Um, I would say honor. I think the number one thing that I want to teach my sons is when you go into marriage, when you are around women, honor them, not just with, you know, their bodies, but their minds, honor their ideas, honor their thoughts. Because a lot of times you could be in places and because they're women, we don't honor the things that they say. So I want to teach my sons and I hope that they go into the world to teach their friends that we honor women with their mind, the ideas that they bring forth, and we steward them. So if a woman brings something to the table, I honor it in the same, and I give it the same authority that I would a man's idea. So I don't belittle it because it's a woman, and a lot of times they'll say women are emotional. So it's just, no, I steward it. And I say, you know what, how can we help you? And I think that's something that I've learned from being under your leadership is how can we help you bring this to life? Um, And teaching them also that, you know what, in your marriage, that it's, yes, you're the head, but it's a partnership. And just the same way that, and I, I love when God says, you know, Abraham was his friend. It was, this is God we're talking about. But there's a friendship. A friendship is a two-way street. And so when you go into marriage, just because you're the head of your household, it's still a partnership. It's a relationship on this level. And when you can give me on this level, I'll, I'll submit on this level to you. So I think that I want to teach them to understand that first, that it's here before it ever becomes here. So you can never be the head unless you've honored her on this level first. Come on. I- I'm telling you, I hear some chains rattling right now. I hear some chains rattling right now. I want to end this panel out by giving honor to each one of the voices that 
I mean, we reach over 2 million people a month through all of our platforms. And I know that God has destined them to be here. This has been a divine appointment. I want to do one last thing because one of the core values of V1 Church is unity. Jesus prayed that we would be one. And oftentimes, if you have kids, you know that they do this thing called playing mommy, daddy. So they say, well, mom, mom was going to ground me. Let's see what dad says. And see, what's at stake here is that the enemy has exploited our disunity for a long time. And these demonic entities have played mommy, daddy. Let me go to the women. Let me go to the men. But what's going to happen when he comes to us and we're saying the same thing now? What's going to happen? He says, no, no, no. I support her. She supports me. He ain't playing this game. Because Jesus prayed that we would be one. And there's a power in that. So I want you to look at me in my eyes if you're watching on this broadcast right now. And I want to speak to the women for a second. And I want to speak as a pastor. Because you see, Jesus came as a man because Adam failed. An animal could not redeem humanity. See, according to the old covenant, there was a, there was a time in which there was a, a blood sacrifice that was sufficient, but it had to be repeatedly done. But to actually eliminate that system and say, for once and for all, there will never be another sacrifice. It had to be redeemed by a second Adam. Many of you have been hurt by a man. And so as a man and as a pastor and as a husband and as a father and as a uncle and as a cousin, I want to stand in their place right now and I want to say I'm sorry even if they never say they're sorry. I'm sorry that you were overlooked. I'm sorry that your idea even though it be a God idea, was not received by a man. I'm sorry that your gifting and your talent and your importance was looked as seemingly insignificant by those who either didn't understand it or didn't want to acknowledge it. I'm sorry. And I just want to tell you that you are more than your body, but you're also your body. And we want to honor every part of your being and bring you into a place of wholeness I know that there's a dysmorphia where you just can't even love yourself because of what multinational industries have shown and projected to the masses for decades. But I believe that there's a healing moment happening right now. And many of you, the blessing of this pandemic has been a living room revival because maybe the church down the block's not having these conversations but there's this digital window that's opened up into your home right now to say just because you've never seen it in your neighborhood doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And the healing that you need, I know that there's somebody crying right now because you've needed this healing. Maybe your dad is dead and gone and there's, there's no what ifs anymore. But right now I'm saying I'm sorry. And Jesus came so that he would stand in the place more so than me for the forgiveness of sin and for the redemption of all. And all means all. Think about the scripture that says there's new, no, more, no longer a Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. And so right now, here's what I want to do just to close this out in prayer. I'm going to ask Julie that you would pray. If you need healing, remember this is a season of root systems coming out. Each one of us have touched on something and, and just continue to do more of a work right now. And some of you are feeling this. 
I just want you to close your eyes and remove all distractions if you have to. And so as I just spoke as a spiritual father to many of you, I want Julie just for you to pray for them and lead them in this moment. Yes. Um, Father God, we thank you. Um, Thank you for creating me the way that you did, Lord. I'm I'm so thankful. I'm thankful to... um, be a woman, to carry out the purposes and the plans and the destinies that you have. You saw by design, Lord, that you've created us. And God, I pray that we would learn to honor you just in the beauty of exactly what you put on this earth. And so, Father, I just pray for anybody who's experiencing a combination, for women who are experiencing a combination of ageism and sexism. There are some women who led worship in one season and feel like that season is over because of their age. Let me tell you, God, I pray, I I believe there's going to be just a revival in the kingdom where we're going to see the lead generation rise back up, take the microphones and begin to declare the good works of Jesus. They are going to declare them in preaching and they're going to declare them in song and prophecy and intercession. And so Father God, at V1 Church, we open up that door. Lord, we're ready. Father God, right now, Lord, I pray God for every woman who is in a waiting season. God, I pray, Lord, um, that your Holy Spirit would be with them right now, right now in their living room, right now in their car, right now at their watch party, right now on Zoom, Father God. Lord, I pray, God, that you're going to just, I pray that you would just invade their space in a tangible way. God, I believe that we're going to get testimonies of encounters that are happening right now in this moment because of, um, that you're just going to begin to heal that loneliness. God, that you're going to begin to give vision for the waiting season. I feel that. I'm going to repeat that. There's going to be vision given by the Holy Spirit during the waiting season. And that time is not going to be wasted. That time is going to be fruitful. You're going to look back and say, that was the most productive, blessed time in my life. What the enemy meant for evil, God is turning it around for good and plentiful and prosperity. In Jesus' mighty name, God, we pray for the women who are raising up sons, that you would give them strategy to impart divine identity. Father God, that as we're bringing up that, you know, we're, we're all this talk about the next generation and all the problems. I believe that this is going to be the most exciting, the most passionate and the most um, committed group of believers that we have ever seen. I believe for innovative strategies for the gospel that are coming up through the Gen Z women. I call it out and I declare it. And God, I just thank you for the women of this house. God, I pray that there is more. God, that we had to go on a pause for a pandemic, but I believe that healing is going to flow out of this house, women's ministry, in Jesus' mighty name. We declare it, God. We believe it, and God, we stand on it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, hey, don't cut it yet. We got one more announcement. (laughs) We got one more announcement. We're going to do this right now, so stay tuned. Julie, Okay. we've been planning You've been working on this. God gave you a vision. Yes. About a year, no, more than a year ago, I had this name that was dropped into my heart and, um, you know, for, for, uh, for like a women's ministry, but I didn't really know like what to do with it. I just heard this phrase and I just put it in my back pocket. I even ran it across some of the women. I was like, what do you guys think of this? Like, I don't know what to do with this. And it just wasn't the right time. But um, we are relaunching our women's ministry at V1 Church. 
And um, I'm going to tell you guys the name. We'll get a little drum roll. It's okay. Free Women Collective. And so there's going to be more details to come. I'm already working on scheduling in-person gatherings, so more to come. But here's the vision for Free Women Collective is um, that every woman free from anything that binds them. That's the vision of our house. So we just believe that it's a collective of different voices. Um, Mary and her platform is going to be a part of that voice. I hope I put you on blast now, so I don't know. We talked about it earlier. Let it be so. Uh, you're like, we're like, Mary is going to be a part of it. No, no. Um, but we're going to have different voices that are a part of it because so many times in women's ministry, it's representative of so many different leaders. And we want to figure out how to amplify those voices within our house. And so I'm really, really really, really excited about it. I cannot wait. And um, yeah, more to come, more to come. So. More to come. Free Women Free Women Collective. collective. And what's the tagline? Because I just love it. It's going to drop. Every woman free from anything that binds them. Woo, come on. Guys, we love you. We can't wait to see you yeah. next Sunday. We love you guys. Thank you. <laughs>